Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. The spring break season is upon us, and uh, airline ticket sales are reflecting that big time. It's crazy expensive to travel right now. I know, it's like a double whammy, both spring break and now the gas prices. Yeah. I just booked a flight to Florida, and thank God I had Southwest points. Our our listeners, I'm sure, know from last week that I'm a... (laughs) Southwest priority holder, <laughs> but uh, it would have been four hundred and fifty dollars. That's crazy! Mm-hmm. Like for just a weekend trip. Yeah, I, I, I mean, wouldn't have been able to do it. Usually, you can get those flights for like a hundred bucks, even like yeah. one hundred fifty. Yeah. yeah, normally it's like two twenty round trip, and with gas over four dollars, it's like well, I just, I'm just gonna stay home <laughs> yeah. for yeah, however long. Yeah, no, it's wild. I was just in um, Seattle, Washington. That's why I was not on the show uh, on Thursday um, doing a documentary interview. Um, and then I'm headed actually down to Florida this week to do some podcast interviews. And like you have to book such like bizarre flights at weird times in yes. order to get anything that is reasonable. It's it's wild. And don't you love waking up at three in the morning? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my favorite. I prefer not to. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm really excited for our, today's conversation. Um, every once in a while here on the show, we have the opportunity to talk with one of those women who is just a really standout problematic woman. Of course, we have so many amazing problematic women on the show, but um, today's guest, I really, truly admire. Um, Shannon Bream, she is the host of Fox News at Night, and I think it's really Incredible and and inspirational and encouraging to see a woman of faith who is really pursuing her career and trying to do so in a way that really honors her faith and honors the Lord. So she has just written a book that comes out March 29th. That's a week from today. You can pre-order it now. The book is called The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons of Faith from Nine Biblical Families. And this is, I believe this is Shannon Bream's third book and sort of a sequel in a series. She wrote one um, about a year ago talking about women in the Bible. This one specifically focuses on mothers and daughters. So it was just so fun to have a conversation with her about her own faith and why women in the Bible are such an inspiration and a challenge to her, even in her career. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Let's go ahead and get to it. It is my honor to welcome to the show the host of Fox News at Night and the author of the forthcoming book, Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Shannon Bream. Shannon, thank you so much for being here. It is my privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Well, your book, Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, this is your third and your second in the series. Last year, you wrote another wonderful book called The Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. So what is it about the women of the Bible that made you say, you know what, I want to write a book about these ladies and not just one book, Mm -hmm. but two You know what? Honestly, Fox came to me with this idea and they said, we think this is kind of an untapped place to have these conversations about women who are already in the Bible, um, but maybe their stories aren't as well known or we don't know everything we could about them. And I said, I would love to get involved with this project. I don't think any of us uh, could have foreseen last year, the women of the Bible speak, how it just connected with people. And I've had people literally all over the world say to me, they've studied it alone or with family or in a women's Bible study group. I've had men say they read it and they 
they've shared it with their daughters and their wives. So um, there was something about it that just really resonated with people. I think we know these stories are there. If you've grown up studying the Bible or in church, um, you know, these women's stories are there. They're amazing on their own. God obviously included them for a reason, but there's something about bringing them out um, into the light, kind of featuring them and letting people learn about these women in a way they may not have before. Um, that I think is just a beautiful thing. Um, we're not adding to these stories. We're just making sure you know they're there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I think you're right. We can become so accustomed to hearing the stories that sometimes we need to hear it in a fresh way and get a little bit more depth and a little more history and context behind it. So for, for those listening, you can actually go ahead and pre-order the book right now. It's available on Amazon, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, Lessons of Faith from Nine Biblical Families. So in this book, Shannon, you tell stories of, of these mothers and of these daughters and have really their stories of how the Lord leads them through incredible trials in their life. How have these women affected you personally? How have their stories impacted your own life? Well, the thing is with these stories, just like with the last book, they very much translate to 2022. I mean, we all have had the seasons of waiting, of longing, of having to be patient, not understanding what God is doing. And when we look at these women's stories, we now have the advantage of looking back over time in history and seeing how he was working, how all of these things, you know, ended up coming together in a way that he planned and that he had purpose in them. So for me, it's been a reminder in both of these books that God has uh, a weaving together that may not make sense to us in the moment when we're walking through these valleys or even the mountaintops, but there is purpose in all of it, and he's working it for the greater good. So in this second series, uh, in this book, um, we really look at the relationships between a number of women in the Bible, and we do have a traditional mother-daughter relationship, but others that were sort of uh, families that came together, whether it was through adoption or marriage or spiritual motherhood and daughterhood, because not all of us are going to be moms. Not all of us are going to have daughters, um, but we can be mentors and spiritual guides and encouragers to each other. And we see that through a number of the stories we included in this book too. I really do think it's so unique that so many of the stories in the Bible, you're right. It, it's not the traditional family. These are families that come together through adoption and, and through various marriages. Uh, but we see this this tight knit, really family dynamic that takes place and is so wonderfully modeled throughout the scriptures. What what as you were doing research for the book? What are some of the stories that surprised you or that stuck out to you, or you thought, "Oh wow, I've I've heard this before, but I'm seeing it in a new way." I got to say one of the most surprising ones that we include, one of the mothers in the book is Bathsheba, because if you're like me and you grew up in church, what you know about her is that she and David had this illicit affair. She had a baby uh, while she was pregnant. He tries to trick her husband into thinking that it was his because he was off in battle. He brings him home. Uh, Uriah, the husband, will not go sleep with his wife because he says, no, my men are there fighting on the fields. So everything that David has planned to try to cover up his big mistakes and sin falls apart. So he ends up then you know, plotting the murder of Uriah. And Bathsheba's kind of caught in this whole thing as the woman who um, David had, uh, you know, this affection or this lust for her. He saw her. And in the Bible, we're told, like, she was basically called to the palace. And that was it. And so we don't know what happened there. But, you know, I always was under the um, impression as a younger person reading about this in the Bible that she had done something wrong, that she somehow was a temptress. And she knew that David would somehow see her as she was bathing herself. Um, and when you dig into the story, that's just not true. Uh, the fact is um, they had this relationship. There was definitely a power differential here when you think about David being the king and your husband is off at battle. Could you have said no to an invitation to the palace? And we don't really know how this developed between them. So 
I, I got a much different perspective in really digging in and studying her story. But one of the things I think people forget too is that she then is the mother of Solomon, King Solomon, who is described as the wisest man who had ever lived. You know, God said to him, Solomon, I'll give you anything. What do you ask? And instead of asking for riches or for fame or fortune or power, he said wisdom. And God said, you know what? I'm going to bless you with that. And with all those other things, because you didn't ask for them. So Bathsheba raised this man who who ended up being the wisest person to ever be recorded in the Bible and maybe in history. So there's just so many, uh, there are so many other dimensions and so much more to her story that um, it was a real privilege to kind of dig into it and say, gosh, if you've only heard that one version of what happened at the beginning, Bathsheba is somebody you really don't know then. Yeah. Yeah. The depth is there. It's amazing. Did you grow up hearing these stories? I did. I mean, I grew up in church. And so I think about back in my day when I was a little kid in church in the 70s and 80s, you know, we had little flannel graphs where they'd have the little felt boards and they had little cutout characters of Jesus and David and Goliath and whoever it was. And you put them up on the little board and learn their stories. So, I mean, I'd heard these stories my whole life. And yes, I'd heard about Esther and Naomi and Ruth and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, but the more that you dig into these, they become much less, you know, one or two dimensional. These women lived lives that were very complex, just like ours today. They had family squabbles. They had infertility. Um, they had great triumphs. They were military leaders. There were all kinds of things about these women. Um, so again, it's not that we're reinventing the wheel. We're just saying, hey, look, these stories are tucked in here. And if you've never had a chance to really consider them and be inspired as a woman, here you go. Hmm. So for you, you work obviously in a, in a fast-paced environment. You work in news. There's always something happening. There's always something going on. So how do you take the lessons from these books that you've written, from the Bible, these biblical principles, and actually carry them into your daily life, into the workplace, into Fox with you? Yeah, every one of these stories reminds me of the bigger picture. We are, you know, talking about current events and reporting on critical issues of the day. And that's all very important. And we have a very important responsibility to be accurate and honest and truthful and clear in everything that we do. So I definitely get the professional application, but, but looking at these women reminds me of the bigger picture that God is working through all kinds of circumstances, ours personally and the bigger world, the greater world as well. And one of the verses I pray a lot over is that I work unto God and not as unto man. You know, that, that I'm called to a higher standard, not just to do um, what I, I call myself to do as a professional, but also as a believer and somebody who's representing Christ in the workplace to say, I want people to believe and know that I have integrity. I am flawed. I am a sinner saved by grace. I am always upfront about that. Um, but the fact that I'm called to an even greater level in the way that I treat other people with great respect, you know, when God summed up the law, Jesus summed it up, he said, love, you know, your, the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, but also love your neighbor as yourself which is not a throwaway line. I mean, it means whatever you think is good enough for you and what you choose for yourself, the way you want to be treated or how you would, um, you know, spend your resources or anything else. You got to look on your neighbors, which is everyone in that same way, treat them with kindness, respect somebody made in the image of God. So I think all those things come into the workplace with me. Um, and, and these women remind me of all of those eternal truths, not just the day to day stuff, but the deeper and the longer term view. Mm, well, and I love how honest you are in the book. You, you don't sugarcoat things. You're very upfront about, you know, the challenges that we all face in life every day, the challenges that you face. I want to read um, a little bit of a portion from your intro. You write, so much of what we read in the scriptures magnifies this same lesson over and over again. 
The journey is part of the process. What looks like a delay in getting to the good stuff is an inescapable, necessary leg of the trip. So, Shannon, you know, how through this book and through your own journey with the Lord, have you kind of learned that? Have you learned that, okay, the journey is necessary and it, it's actually good even mm-hmm. when it feels really hard? Yeah. I mean, the truth is that the maturity that I've achieved as a Christian, and I got a long way to go, but what I've accomplished and, and grown in so far has come through the toughest things in my life. I got fired from my first TV job and spent forever looking for the next one. And then there are times when you're in those jobs that you're like, am I spinning my wheels? Am I learning anything? Am I ever going to progress professionally? Personally, I've been through chronic illness and pain, and I've been through seasons of just waiting and asking for healing, looking for hope. I've seen so many friends walk through these really difficult things. But the truth is, I know that for me, it's the closest I've been to God. It's the most I've grown in my faith and my trust and my understanding of Him. Because you can study all kinds of things and they're very reassuring, but until you have to lean on God's promises and count on them being true and Him being there and living up to everything He's told us, um, you learn them and experience them in a different way. So those periods of waiting, of wondering, of pain, they all have purpose. I'm convinced of that. Not that any of us would choose them, but they're not wasted. Yeah, so well said. They are not wasted. Even when you're you're thinking to yourself, oh, I, I don't want this one. I want to give this one back to you, right. God. You, you can keep this. <laughs> can we fast forward this one? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> one of the elements that I love um, of this book in particular is, is how you have connected the value of family and faith and how the two really go hand in hand, which I think is an interesting perspective and maybe something that we don't we don't talk about too much. Um, talk a little bit about that, about how this book really makes that important connection that faith and family share together. Yeah, we see that so much in this story of Naomi and Ruth, where, um, you know, there's been a death and there's, you know, a mother-in-law left with two daughters-in-law who still were were young, all three of them widowed, but the two daughters-in-law could have had the opportunity to build a new family, to start over fresh. Um, and, and instead, um, one of them decides to go along back with her mother-in-law to her home country. So she leaves not only her own family and everything that she knows, but there's that famous passage that's so often read in marriage ceremonies where she says, where you go, I will go, your God will be my God. And that is not a small thing. In culture back then, clearly, um, de- leaving the, the gods or the beliefs of your, um, your country, your family, your home of where you came from to say, I'm embracing your God, your family, your culture, your people. It was a huge sacrifice to make and a huge thing to do. So then they're bound in faith, but they're bound by these other bonds of having been mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. And I feel like so much of that is a picture too of how we're grafted into the family through Christ, the family of God who says, um, you know, to everyone who would believe, um, you, I, I, I came to save all of you. It's not just a select few. I'm saying um, that you can be grafted into this family too. And we have the idea of adoption there in the Bible as well. And, and I share how, for me, that's such a personal thing because my mother is adopted. We don't know much, if anything, about her family beyond her. But I'm so grateful for my grandparents who took her in and raised her and gave her a life of joy and safety and protection and love. And the young mother who, um, from what little we know about her circumstances, she was a teenager and how frightened she must have been to be in that situation. But she chose to give life to my mom 
And obviously I'm grateful for that. And it, and it flows down through my life and, and my relationships. Um, but that's what God does for us too. When we see these families come together in the Bible, he's showing us, um, you know, we can become heirs and adopted into the most, um, beautiful, wonderful, uh, acceptance we could ever find. And it doesn't have to just be through those traditional relationships. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story. That's wonderful. So what what is your ultimate hope for this book, for the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak? How how do you want people to use this book and, and approach using it? You know, I hope ultimately it draws people closer to God. Um, that is the, the goal that they will see his mercy and his kindness. I think sometimes people, uh, and I had a relative, you know, say not long ago, like, I don't think God could forgive me or love me or accept what, you know, all the things I've done in my life. And I think, well, that's every one of us. Um, from the minute we wake up in the morning, uh, you know, we need to be getting ourselves right. We've all done something that has, um, you know, made us less than perfect and none of us is perfect. And so we all need hope and redemption, but I hope that people will see that, you know, Christ came here not to condemn, but to save. He had great compassion on the women that he interacted with. We talk about that in the last uh, book and in this one too, that he wasn't somebody who came down with bolts of lightning and condemning people to hell. I mean, he came to say, I'm here to save you, to give you a better way, to give you hope. And so I hope that people will pick up this book, whether they've, you know, they've studied these women and they know uh, the Bible inside and out. I think they'll still find out new things and new insights. And I always love to hear theirs and their reaction to the stories too. And if you don't know much about God, but you're seeking and you want to know how he feels about women and our value and our place, um, you will see that he has great love and unending mercy and great respect and esteem for women. He includes their, their stories all through the Bible at a time, you know, when in society women weren't vaulted and weren't leaders, um, in the traditional sense, but to God they were. And he sees them that way. And I hope people will understand that's how he views them as women today, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's incredible when you read the Bible and you begin to realize, wow, so much of the disruption that, that Christ caused was, mm-hmm. was elevating women and giving women a voice and saying, no, let, let's give them a seat at the table. Um, so true. Obviously, it was very controversial at, at that time. In right. <laughs> it was. I mean, it's so accepted now that we think in our churches that women um, are full, you know, fledged, um, completely engaged members and teachers um, and, and guides and um, spiritual mentors and all those things. But yeah, Jesus in his time, that wasn't the tradition. Women didn't sit and learn under rabbis like they did with him. And um, you remember the story of Martha and, and Mary, where Mary had chosen to sit at his feet and learn with the other men and people had come into their home. And Jesus said, she's chosen the better thing. I mean, he wanted women to be um, fully engaged in learning about God and participating in ministry. Um, and it was something, like you said, that was not traditional. Um, he was a disruptor in a lot of ways, go, going to people, you know, the outcasts of society, tax collectors and prostitutes and the women caught, the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well. Um, and he didn't go there to judge them. He went there to accept and redeem them. And so, yeah, he, he was definitely one of the original um, revolutionaries, if you want to think of it that way. <laughs> Indeed he was. Absolutely. Well, you can get your copy. You can pre-order right now your copy of The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak on Amazon. It will be out on March 29th. And Shannon, before we let you go, we have one question that we love to ask all of our guests on the show. We get such different responses. And that is, do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes or no? Why or why not? People have so many different ways that they define yeah. that. Uh, but what about for you? I do think it depends on how you define the word itself. And I think 
For some people, it has very positive, some people very negative connotation. I would just say this. Um, for me, I think women are equals in every sense of the word when it comes to professional, personal, religious uh, experience. I think that God has made us equal with men. There's nothing that ever suggests that we're anything less than that. So uh, for me, I know that he sees me as a human being created in his image, um, men and women alike. And so I think um, I take great value in that because the world is going to, you know, chip away at you and remind you of what you've done wrong and where you have fallen short and where you may not measure up. But, you know, God says in his eyes, men and women are created equal. Um, we're in his image. He's given us all a unique purpose and a path to live out. And um, that's where I find my identity. Thank you so much. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the forthcoming book, The Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak. Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Virginia Allen. I want to tell you all about an awesome Heritage Foundation resource called the Index of Economic Freedom. The Heritage Foundation Index of Economic Freedom ranks nearly every nation in the world according to its level of economic freedom. Whether for personal, professional use, or for school research, the index is a wealth of information. You can learn why it's easier to start a business in Switzerland than it is in France, and where America falls on the ranking. So go ahead and visit heritage.org index to explore the newly released 2021 Index of Economic Freedom, which features interactive maps, country rankings, graphs of data, and much, much more. And that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us on Thursday morning for a brand new edition. I sadly am not going to be here for this recording, which I'm like, I feel very brokenhearted. Like I'm missing two in Wait, a row. Who are you again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Virginia girl. I guess she yeah. was on at some point. But her, name, guys... her name was a state. I can't remember. <laughs> Georgia, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I know that uh, Lauren has an awesome show planned. So it's going to be a fun time. Be sure to tune in on Thursday. Don't forget conservatives need your support in podcast world and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts it really does make a difference have a great week and again be sure to catch us on thursday problematic women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the heritage foundation it is a product of the daily signal produced by lauren evans and virginia allen special thanks to our editor-in-chief katrina trinko we produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.